You're listening to Bits and Pieces on Sunrise Robot. I'm one of your hosts, Mike Edwards, out of Denver, Colorado. And I'm Matt Duncan out of Gelsenkirchen, Germany. We thrive on the support of our fans, so please check out sunriserobot.net slash support and see some ways you can help us out. For episode 12 here, we got a little bit of follow-up. So first off, Mumford and Sons uh, commented, they weighed in with their banjos and their, their suspenders on title. <laughs> And uh, they said they wouldn't join Title even if they were asked to. Um, so here's a direct quote. And actually, I, I you know I was kind of ripping on them for a second there, but it's a nice quote. I think smaller bands should get paid more for it. Bigger bands have other ways of making money, so I don't think you can complain when they say it's artist owned. It's owned by those rich, wealthy artists. I don't want to align myself with Spotify, Beats, Title, or whatever. We want people to listen to our music in their most comfortable way, and if they're not p- up for paying for it, I don't really care. So I've actually heard this from other artists that kind of have established themselves enough that it's kind of like, yeah, I don't really care. And yeah. I mean, I've even seen, Sufjan doesn't usually weigh in on like industry stuff, but I've seen him say like, basically like, I'm doing fine. I don't care about piracy. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Yes, I think more and more artists get into that direction and not just music artists, um, just to, to take another example from, from the game industry that when, uh, Hotline Miami 2 dropped and Australia banned it because of violence and that one scene in the intro, they just said, yeah, just go pirate it or just, uh, send us, send us a copy of your ID and you can have it for free because we don't care. Now, of course, that's a slightly different situation, but yeah, more and more people are, yeah, content with piracy, so to say. And I like, okay, as long as people listen and consume the stuff I make <laughs> and maybe, uh, yeah, chip in at, an, at another direction where they, I don't know, visit my gigs or buy merchandise or something or just spread the word. I mean, if I have that one super fan that never bought my anything from me, but, uh, tells tell 10 people a day about my music, then I consider that a win. So I don't really care as well. Yeah, I do think there's there's a little more spectrum of opinion out there in musicians, though, because I mean, there's we're kind of the yes man of like just embrace the internet and let go of like freaking out about piracy and stealing and just embrace your audience wherever you can find them. I I do run in some circles where uh, you know people are a lot more touchy about all of these things and and really do want to try to maintain some control. Um, some people even that I normally respect their opinion and I just disagree about this, but, um, I think there are artists that are, are very upset at how they can't make money in certain ways anymore or that, or even if they, they found a way to make money, they're just, they're very interested in preserving that and not, not changing. The problem is just that, um, if people want something for free nowadays with the internet, they will get it for free. There's no way around it. You can't really block it unless you make it so exclusive that only a handful of people are going to get access to it anyway. And yeah, then what's the point of marketing your stuff if yeah. if you're not going to make it available to the general public in what way or ever? Yeah. But I've even seen like my, my good friend Andres of Montropo was, he, he didn't have a conclusion in his mind, but he was like, do I want this on Spotify? Like, do I want to just have an easy way to stream it? And I was like, 
well, what I think is yes, I think yeah. he should. But um, he he was very he was a little torn about that at first of just like ah, I just want to put it for sale. I don't want to put it for streaming. Okay, so more typical gamer shenanigans. So um, the other week or the last two weeks, once again, I noticed that I live in Germany simply because I couldn't watch certain YouTube videos and and I've in effect then listened to certain music. So which very unfor- which was very unfortunate because um, Reddit had just dropped the new single, I guess. I, th- I think they're releasing it as a single. Or at least they, they released a new song. And also Tyone Braxton, famously son of Anthony Braxton. Um, released a new song from from his album, and yeah, the problem is they are only uploading that to YouTube, or at least I, the only source I've seen from for those two songs is on YouTube, and you can't watch that from Germany because the gamer is blocking it. Now, with Radatat, I really really understand why they are in the gamer because if you switch on the TV in like every third show, you got some Radatat song playing in the background. So for some reason, the sound guys in in German TV are total hipsters and uh, they're using Radatat <laughs> and block party everywhere uh tyone rexton not as much i don't know how much he is getting out of the gamer i don't think that his songs i don't believe his songs are being performed by other people so i'm not really sure how how much they are getting out of it i i guess it's just a thing that his label is doing it in general with every one of the artists i think he's signed to warp still like like battles were um yeah but the thing is i i really like to complain about the gamer and at some point i have to put some of the blame on the artists as well because in each of these occasions i i commented on the post where they linked the the song about yeah could you please provide a mirror for germany because we can't listen to it here now it's not because i can i i don't know of a way to to circumvent that block it's it's pretty easy actually but the thing is that i don't think that you should have to and when you're doing promotion and you want people to listen to music, you have to make it easy for them to listen to the music. Yeah. And it, it basically came down to when I see the Vivo thumbnail in a YouTube video, I, I don't even click it. <laughs> so, don't even yeah, bother. Yeah. Like, like yesterday, another song, it was the, uh, the David Hasselhoff song for that, for that, uh, YouTube movie, uh, Kung Fury, uh, that was linked on Reddit. It, it, it said Vivo and I knew, okay, I'm not going to be able to watch it. Thankfully, somebody else provided a mirror again. Yeah. But um, if you're an artist, or if you're not, if you're the artist, if you're the guy in in charge of the promotion of somebody um, of some artist, please make sure that there's some way that everybody can watch this. Especially if you're yeah. taking um, yeah advantage of being in the gamer, which is okay if you feel like you have to be in the gamer to not miss out on certain revenue. That's okay, but please make make a way for for right yeah us germans because we're we're lacking behind in music here because of that so what are your your usual go-to places when you can't find something is it vimeo is it other places um yeah in general the first thing i do is just google for it because sometimes it's mirrored on i don't know daily motion or some other obscure video platform like that yeah but sometimes it's vimeo quite often it's actually vimeo so the uh when you sent me the surfian song a few weeks ago i had to watch that on vimeo because the youtube video was blocked but good guy um, sufian made made it available yeah, yeah. by the way sufian never had him on tv before so 
just the same thing. I don't know how much these guys are getting out of the gamer, not being played on the radio, not being played on TV, not having their songs covered really that much. Right. Um, now I don't know about the, the, um, custom benefit analysis of, uh, how much money they would get out of the gamer and how much money they would get out of the promotion that people are being able to listen to it in Germany. I have no idea. Just in my case, I think it's bullshit and I want to be able to, to, to stream those songs. Yeah, totally. Gamer strikes again. So there's some interesting music hardware that's come to my attention recently. Um, this is an Indiegogo project, which is, uh, you know, a poor man's Kickstarter. And, uh, I don't, I don't know. I got nothing against Indiegogo. I don't know why I just took that swipe, but the, at least they're international. That's true. And I think with Indiegogo, you don't have to reach your, like, you can get paid just if people, if any amount of support immediately works. Um, so there's this thing called the Soundbrenner Pulse. And it's a wearable, since wearables are the big thing this year, um, for musicians. And it's a, it'll vibrate on your wrist. It's like, it looks like a, a watch, but it's not a watch. And, uh, it'll, it'll be a, basically a metronome on your wrist. And supposedly it has some DAW integrations or some MIDI functionality so you can sync it up with your other hardware. And, uh, I don't know. What did you make of this? Is it, would you pay for a standalone wrist metronome? I wouldn't pay $150 for it, but I think there is a price point where I would say, yeah, that's, that'd be useful. And I think if you got like the whole band wearing one and it's, they're synced up, which supposedly they are, they were big about having it be able to sync up to various DAWs and, and other things. Um, I think that'd be a cool and neat idea. And although, um, once you get big enough to have monitoring or in-ear monitoring in general, um, and you have a click on your ear, or at least the drummer has a click on his ear, this thing is probably going to be obsolete. But it's it's a nice stepping stone between the two. Yeah. But right now, not at one hundred fifty dollars. So if I I don't know if I take up that example of a drummer, um, you're already kind of punishing your ears a lot with with all the noise and cymbals and. And so forth. And so if you actually care about your ears, you're going to want to wear very strong earplugs. And I could see, and you know, in that situation, if you are monitoring, even with an in-ear monitor, um, you've got the mix of the music that has to compete with your cymbals and your drums that are right next to you. And, uh, having a click track that rises above it all so that you can <laughs> stay on beat, it just really gets, I mean, even just recording in my own space, um, metronoming drum tracks, you kind of have to crank that thing sometimes depending on how loud your song gets. And I just imagine, like, I would love the idea that I wouldn't have to continue damaging my ears just to keep a straight beat going. And uh, I don't know. I'd have to get used to it, though. I wonder if I would be able to sync to the vibrations uh, very well. I, I imagine I could get used to it. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, for, for drama, then, it makes really makes sense i i would really like to know how i mean they they in the video they showed how strong compared to a to a cell phone the vibrating motor is and just i thought um you tried the apple watch does the apple watch have a vibrating uh, motor in there yeah that's one of its biggest features is that it, it can subtly tap you like a creepy person tapping oh. your shoulder very <laughs> softly um but you can adjust the strength of the vibration you know if because i i actually went in for a try on on the latest flipping tables which you can listen to at sunriserobot.net slash flipping tables um is uh I actually couldn't feel the vibrations 
when I tried it on and the demo like supposedly notified my wrist. So if, you know, when I get my Apple Watch, I'm actually going to have to probably crank that up and to actually feel it because apparently I'm losing feeling in my, my wrist. Um, but that's, you know, you bring up smartwatches and won't those render this dedicated device useless or, or kind of, you know, why wouldn't a general purpose smartwatch be a better investment of your money unless for some reason the performance wasn't good enough? Um, but I imagine, I, I, I imagine maybe not the first Apple Watch or the first Android Wear watches, but how soon, how long before they sync to your doll? Perfectly great. I mean, all you need there is, is an app and then you go and <laughs> then you don't need the sound brand anymore. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, our, our wireless mini sync is, is that mature? I, I guess I've never really looked into that. I guess and, and as, as long as you know the latency you have through the wireless, through the Bluetooth or whatever, it's probably going to be Bluetooth. And that has, I think, some, some amount of latency. As long as you know about this, you can, you can like smooth it out. Compensate. Yeah. But is it consistent? Like if you have latency between a couple of devices, is it like, it's always 47 milliseconds or I guess I just probably de- it's probably dependent on the uh, on the distance there so I think I, I can bet that there would be they would be able to program some kind of algorithm to smooth those things out but yeah I wouldn't bet my money on it yeah just imagine you're on a stage with a band moving around and yeah and just know. because the guitarist walks two meters in front of him suddenly he's out of sync with the band <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, but I don't know. I'm excited to, I, this thing just looked really interesting. So I, I was yeah. glad to throw it into the show for us to discuss. And yeah, it may, it may be obsolete from general purpose wearables, but got to start somewhere. I, I just remembered in terms of metronomes, uh, one thing that I did once was, <clears throat> so we played a gig and our drummer couldn't show up. So I mean, we knew that in advance. So, um, she had to work and so we had to, but we didn't want to want to want to cancel the gig because it was our second gig back then and so what we did was we recorded a video of the drums with a iToy webcam <laughs> we didn't have a better camera available at the time but um and then yeah we edited that and shot it through a projector so that was kind of the first time we did video projection with my first band in the second gig you mean like the and, playstation iToy yeah this yeah <laughs> i used that as a webcam back in the days <laughs> Um, and so we projected the, this video with the, with the drum track coming from one of the monitors, uh, from behind the drum set. So we built up the, a drum set that was just there in the venue anyway and, uh, put a monitor behind it. So it was like, okay, the sound is coming from the drum set and you can see a video of the drums being played up there. But okay, now how do we get in sync? I mean, once, once we are playing and the drums were played to a click, everything's fine. So I had those little bars in the little, in, in a, left corner where it was just like beep 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 just little rectangles showing up at the beginning of the song and so at most of the starts of the song i just had to turn around and watch it these little <laughs> rectangles syncing up until I, so i could get us into the song or our bassist who started the song get us into the song it worked we we didn't have to restart one song but i wouldn't advise doing that ever again <laughs> so this is reminding me of some glory days of me and justin we had a, a band when you know I'm, I'm like 12 years old playing drums and, and he's 16 and uh we didn't have a bass player so he recorded bass lines metronomed to tape 
and he would he would hit play and we'd have you know a tape player hooked up to the sound system and at the beginning of every song was the bass would hit four notes it would just go boom 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 <laughs> and then we'd start playing and uh you know how hard it is to follow only a bass line through audio for oh, a metronome yeah. <laughs> unless um, it's a very percussive bass so i can the, imagine it would be very <laughs> difficult it it was hard and I mean definitely a lot of times when you end up in a bad monitoring situation and you just have to like crane your neck and like, oh we gotta slow down. Oh <laughs> yeah. <I> got off. <laughs> oh so, yeah, I remember that those metronome and rhythmic syncing is was really the main problem when we recorded our first album like seven or eight years ago. <laughs> so many retakes because of that and <laughs> uh we didn't edit in a proper DAW, so there was no uh, rhythm warping whatsoever huh. so we had to we had to play it perfectly otherwise it wouldn't sound good and yeah at some part we just didn't care anymore yeah so do you guys still metronome all the things when you record uh yeah nowadays we metronome out uh, i imagine because you tend to add some software layers into things and, yeah and being quantized is really really yeah. helpful <laughs> So it's kind of amazing how how good the DAWs are getting. Where even with with analog signals, you can you can sync those up to beats, and you know you can say you know it's sort of like your kick drum is is doing the Captain Phillips and says, "Look at me, look at me, I am the metronome now." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. So Ableton can do it uh, in in one direction where they uh, you can put in drums that are not properly in sync, and it could warp it to to the metronome in in Ableton, but it can't do it the other way around. Like I think Pro Tools can do it, where they just warp the metronome or the timeline at the top, and so you retain the the natural feel. It can't do that, and but thankfully for my music, I don't I don't need that in general. I I quantize all the things. So, <laughs> do you ever intentionally not quantize? You ever want human error to be part of the song? Yeah, some, sometimes I do that for some of the synth parts that I play that are not like arpeggios or, I mean, I like to, to quantize the bass and the, and the drums, but other than that, general synths and guitars, I like to keep them a little bit imperfect so it doesn't get too stale. But sometimes I just love when everything hits on the same millisecond and then <laughs> stops decaying at the same millisecond. So you get that really rhythmic feel. Sometimes you want, the, want the tightness. Yeah. Um, have have you ever worked with a musician that kind of bristled at the idea of metronoming their stuff? Because I've I've also read forums where there's there's just drummers that are like, I don't need a metronome, like they're better than it or something. I don't know if he intentionally didn't use it, but I recorded a, f- a friend's band once where they they had no demo yet, but they wanted to finally record something, and I helped them with that. And so we st- of course started with the drums, so we got the rhythm track laid down and. Um, we set up the microphone and I asked him, so, um, yeah, any way we can, so anybody brought their headphones so we can give him a click. Oh no, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to play it like this. I don't know if he, he was <laughs> going to play like this because he didn't believe in metronomes or if he just didn't want to, but he just laid it down and we had major problems later on because of that. And it, it was my first outside recording gig. So I, I wasn't like, no, we got to do it this way. I wasn't really. <laughs> certaining anything but uh yeah later in when we started recording bass and guitar we had really big problems because of that and anytime you might want to like copy and paste or or repeat something it's like nope (laughs) or or it's just a huge struggle if you didn't metronome copy and pasting with with analog drums is, is a hassle anyway with all the uh 
sustain from from the symbols and all yeah. that. I I really love being able to to work with MIDI when it comes to that. <laughs> okay, for our next topic, we can we could see that as somehow as our conclusion to our journey through comp- composing and recording, mixing and mastering. At some point, you're going to have your music finished, and it's in the form of a WAV file, an MP3, or maybe even a CD or vinyl, if you're if you so desire. And then the thing is about, yeah, where you're going to put it. Not necessarily how you're going to market it. That's a, I mean, we can fill 10 episodes with that alone, but where are you going to put it? What are the avenues today that are worthwhile, that are available to, to people in general? So if you get your, your album finished, what are you doing with, with that? Yeah. Um, in, I've never done much in this space other than offer it digitally online. I mean, I've, I printed download codes to hand out uh, at shows and and made some CDs. Um, so even that's starting to feel a little weird. But um, I, I I'd say just thinking generally about the options available to bands. If if you live in a place that still has some record stores, um, that they, they often have a local section, and getting your stuff in there probably isn't a horrible move. Um, just to get it into the stores. I don't know how much people really d- dive deep into the local box of of the indie record store, but you know, maybe if if you play some good shows and people just go digging through there, they might recognize your name if you've if you've done a good job, kind of getting your your flyers up and your your name out there. Um, but I, I'd say the real space. I don't know. It's your success here. I know you said well, let's not talk marketing yet because we could fill a million episodes, but uh, that really is sort of the, the cart and the horse of people need to want your stuff and then they will go find it however they prefer. But I guess that's fair to say that once someone, presumably someone hears your song, watches your YouTube video or sees you at a show, um, they'll go and seek you out their preferred place. And it's good if you're wherever they end up looking. So whether that's on iTunes or Spotify or, or in a store, if you, if you can just make sure your stuff is as widely available as possible, you're covering your bases. Um, and that kind of feeds back into our, our earlier title topic and, and just talking about musicians that are very restrictive. Like, I don't want my stuff on Spotify. Um, but what happens if someone likes your song and they search for you in Spotify and they don't find you? And then they aren't like, oh, I will just continue my global search for this one thing. <laughs> I mean, maybe if they really liked your song, they'll, they'll keep looking. But I, I could imagine a lot of people are like, huh, guess I'm not listening to you. Yeah. If you're not, if your stuff is not on the first page of Google when I search for it, um, yeah, most people are not going to look at the second page and keep digging. Yeah. So, I mean, my philosophy is pretty much release as widely as you can. Yeah, I think I can get onto that. That that would be the the number one thing that I also say. So get every avenue that you can get. If you got a physical release, as you said, try to put it in some stores or maybe even offer it available, like uh, offer it online through things like yeah. Bandcamp. Yeah, or Bandcamp makes it easy. Maybe just through your, through a Facebook page, just put it put it up on your on your cover photo like here's our cd message us for if you want to have it yeah there there are probably a million ways where you can distribute the physical thing and yeah for online you just have to just just put it everywhere <laughs> and just a you know a couple good options uh cd baby yeah. can take if you don't want to deal with the shipping and don't mind giving a cut to cd baby 
They yeah. can basically host your physical merch, and if someone buys your CD, they'll take care of shipping it. And yeah, they'll take a couple bucks, but um, if 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 you don't feel like it's in your wheelhouse or you don't feel right. like owning that, there there are some options. And uh, a middle ground is a uh, Bandcamp will take care of like basically you just print the shipping label straight out of Bandcamp. And, yeah. you know, yeah, you're still making your package and taking it to the post, but, um, it's, it's better than sort of the, the rat's nest of email us and PayPal us and we'll figure it out. And you have like eight different communication platforms involved trying to, to send someone something, um, ad hoc. But yeah. there are definitely options to make the, the physical less painful while you're, you're shipping stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and for the online, um, okay, Bandcamp is pretty easy. You you make an account, upload your music, and that's it. But um, quite often, I read the question of how do I get my stuff on I stuff on iTunes? How do I get it on Spotify or Pandora or something? I'm mean, okay. I think with Pandora, I think it was Pandora where they have this special uh, vetting process where you have to more or less apply mm -hmm. with your songs. But with the others, um, what you more or less have to do is go through a d licensed distributor which can be, I think CD Baby does it as well. Yeah. And there are a thousand others. So we are using AWAL. That's a uh, service based in the UK. So um, we upload our music there and they distribute it to Amazon, to iTunes, to Spotify, to everywhere. So um, <clears throat> if I Google for my band's name, I can find my stuff in stores that I haven't ever heard of. <laughs> but, I, but I know it's there because I uh, well put it there, not because somebody just pirated it and resells it. Is your stuff in Rhapsody? It is in Rhapsody. I think it is. Yeah. <laughs> is Rhapsody still a thing. <laughs> um, and uh, another one I've heard good things about is DistroKid. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they're, um, worldwide or anything, but I think they are. Oh, yeah. We are on Rhapsody. <laughs> <laughs> but, but they dropped the, the in the astray, just like Amazon. So for some reason. What? Um, Amazon and Rhapsody have the problem that uh, the Astray is just called Astray, which wouldn't be a problem if there wasn't a band called Astray about 200 kilometers away from here. Yeah, But luckily they play metal, so it's pretty <laughs> easy to distinguish between us and them. Um, haven't had a problem with that. But yeah, on Amazon we also ask just Astray, which bugs me, but if you search for us, you can find it and you can see the, I think, the cover art should make it clear there yeah um yeah so we're using awal for that and yeah i told that story before where they not only license to to online portals but also to things like uh the music that is played in walmarts throughout the u.s so i had that kansas walmart in my <laughs> statement one day i remember you joking about that <laughs> yeah and um another avenue that i wanted to try for my solo stuff maybe is louder and just the way we do it in 2015 you drop the e and it's just louder <laughs> and um it's the same thing as like district where you can license um your song to them and they put it everywhere but the special thing here is that they take care of licensing um when you are when you're doing covers so if you can actually record a uh, some cover songs and release them on spotify and and wherever they, they, they put their music. And I've seen those before on Spotify. And I thought, how, how can they afford the license? Because they were, those were unknown artists, just people randomly doing covers. Like they can't afford the license to just 
cover every song, <laughs> every pop song in the world. And so Louder actually does that for you. So of course they also take a cut because of that, but yeah, you just upload the mu your music and don't have to worry about anything. So maybe I'm going to try that with, uh, I, I, this, this ongoing series of cover songs that I haven't progressed in for the last months because of drums. Once again, we're <laughs> recording drums. Uh, I, I can't go forward because I haven't done the recording for those yet. But yeah, maybe I'm, I'm going to try louder then. And just because I, I want to upload some cover songs. So another interesting service out there that I just discovered. Um, I've, I've never used this, but it's called Jukely. And, uh, I don't know what their main service is, but they have this thing called Jukely Unlimited. And it looks to be a subscription service for live shows. And right now they're only in nine major U.S. cities like Chicago, New York, and L.A. and other very obviously huge music markets. Um, and the idea is you spend, you know, say 25 or 50 bucks a month and at, you basically get unlimited access to a huge number of shows, like maybe, you know, hundreds of options a month. And you can just attend the live show and you're like, Hey, I'm a, I'm a Jukely subscriber. I, I get to go to the show now. And, yeah. um, it's interesting. And I, I just wanted to pose the question, like, does that sound like a good business model? Would you pay a monthly rate just to kind of be able to blindly walk into any show you want? Um, if there are enough venues in my area that take part in this and there are enough artists that I want to see there in an area or at least some artists that I want to see so I can say okay to to get my money's worth I'm going to watch all the others but where I live currently um, even if they they offered this right here the only few venues that would interest me because of artists that I know have played there yeah I would go to a show like once a year so it it wouldn't really be 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 very useful where i live but if you go to like larger cities like cologne here or berlin i think that would be that would work very well because every artist goes through those cities yeah and there are enough enough venues there that i think that would take part in this i um, guess the the question yeah. would be if uh there's a certain class of artists that sell out always yeah and would this, how could this service work if it became popular? If you have, say, thousands of people in a given market that subscribe, well, you can't actually put all those thousands of people in some venues. So what happens? Is it first come, first serve? Is it introduced a new tier, a, a VIP tier or are they, um, do they just make a raffle where you say, I want to go to this concert and then you you're thrown into a pot and they draw like 50 <laughs> people out of that that are actually eligible. Then you're paying monthly for a chance to go to a show. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, I think that would eventually that would be the thing that would happen. And as you said, they would introduce another tier where you're sure you can get in there. And then once that tier fills up, they put another <laughs> tier on top of that. And it's tears at all some the point, way. We, we got, we got something like the Hunger Games of uh, live <laughs> venues. Yep. So I don't know how something like that scales. Like, how do you deal with success? I don't know. Um, but it's an interesting little, little play. And maybe, maybe another option is, um, sorry if Wilco or Radiohead comes to town. It's just not going to be part of the deal. But for an entire middle class of bands of like still really great bands that just haven't exploded yet in popularity, um, maybe that's what they do is they stay in that middle ground of, 
touring but not quite famous acts. And so if you're if you're a hipster underground listener of of new music, maybe it would be a great deal still. Yep. Sure. And maybe I mean there's certain communities where people just don't go to a lot of shows even if they have a lot available to them available to them and maybe it's just another way to get people out to shows a lot more often. Yeah, but I'm not sure if those kind of people would still pay $25 <laughs> Uh, yeah, the months to do that. Like it makes sense to me for streaming online. Number one, because it scales, because you can have millions of people listening to the same song. There's there's no problem there. But also, it's it's more like, hey, I just feel like hearing this kind of music. Infinite supply. Let's go looking for it. And I don't know if I really sit at a night and just go, I just want to hear some live music any live music what what is available it's it's always who's playing would i actually want to hear that band and and i don't know if um how how well that works from a psychology standpoint but maybe maybe one thing that we could do is introduce a lower tier where you could say okay i pay like 15 bucks monthly but i can only go to four shows but yeah. those four shows I can just walk into without getting a ticket in advance, but it's only four and I could get, I could get to that and it would kind of limit you, uh, in a way that they could make it cheaper. And also you could say, okay, I've got this one gig left. Let's just go somewhere instead of if it's yeah. just unlimited. It's, it's this typical thing of where if you have all the choices, you're not choosing anything, but if you're limited, <laughs> you, you make use of everything you got. Unless it would be like potions in Final Fantasy and you're just like, ah. I know it's the last boss, but I might need this later. Yeah. <laughs> and you got to keep it a multiple of five. Because what if there's a new game plus? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One other funny thing I, I found on the website of Jukli is if you scroll down, you can find those testimonials um, from from Twitter. If you ask me, they're so over the top. They are either commissioned or just playing out. Uh, yeah. Totally ridiculous. Invented. So read yeah, some of so these. Um, I think it's fair to say Dukely is the best thing that's ever happened to me. Now, okay, that's 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 a saying that you hear all the time. But read the I, username. I can get with it. Um, <laughs> Hot boy. Hot boy. Hot. Depending it's, on the language, yeah. H a u t b o i. You know anything Hot Boy says is, is reliable. <laughs> Hot boy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next up we got Saint Samurai underscore. <laughs> Whoever isn't on Jukli is missing out on a lot of opportunities. Hashtag get with the program. <laughs> Wasn't that his hashtag with title also like get with get with title or something <laughs> yeah. that was equally obnoxious? And yeah, the last one is uh, so the first time I looked at Jukli, um, I thought it was about live streaming or just watching live videos and I, I didn't really um notice it was about visiting live concerts um until I, I actually read the text everything on there so the first thing i i thought was okay it's it's a streaming or youtube kind service and so i read this tweet by artificial artificial x life and you know if you got an x in your name you're bound to <laughs> you're, you're something. very elite <laughs> Yeah. Seeing Murphy's Law for my first time, Dukely Unlimited show. I'm in love with these <laughs> unlimited concerts already. So how does Murphy's Law play into that? First of all, I just love the 
If you're going to extend the word love, wouldn't you put a bunch of O's, <laughs> not a bunch of E's? <laughs> but then you would get Louvre. <laughs> yeah, I guess that you're just going to fail either way. Yeah, these are, I mean, these are the cliche of modern marketing web pages. You know, the splash header image, the the three column boxes of, yeah. you know, features or main main attractive qualities. And then the testimonials are always part of it. And yeah, these, these don't really sell me on it. These, these seem pretty generic <laughs> actually. Um, the best thing that's ever happened to me. Wow. That's just hyperbole. <laughs> yeah. But Murphy's law, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Love you. I know what he thought. Because... <laughs> let me, let me just quickly pull that account up on Twitter and maybe I can ask him. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm going to follow Hout Boy. Hout Boy. <laughs> All right. Let's walk into Abbey Road. Yeah. So Google is always making these these little Google doodles, as they call them. And they released this very, very fascinating one, which is about going inside Abbey Road Studios. And this one dovetails nicely with their actual product that is clearly at the base of this, which is their street view of Google Maps. Because the, the way you interact with this thing is exactly the same as a, a street view. And so... Google created this this crazy site um, where you actually walk into Abbey Road Studios and then from there it's freeform. You can click around and, and go into these different rooms, including the main chamber, which um, is set up with you know a piano and all these different stations for different musicians. And you can click into a you know a sound booth and see someone playing a harp, or click into the the mixing room and see a giant soundboard with two technicians and. Uh, it's just cool to see uh, one of the most famous studios that's out there and actually just get to kind of poke around. Did you notice anything intriguing? Yeah, I'm, I'm just clicking through it again and I just noticed something that I didn't see or I just clicked away the first time and I'm trying to get back to it. <laughs> um, there was just this one button that says test your mixing skills and I'm kind of assuming that it's something to do with you get like a five track, uh, a four track or an eight track setting and you can just start uh, pushing up the faders and and see how the mix goes let me just find that thing again um but yeah it, it i i also like the 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 visual stating i mean so you you've got the typical street view view but um in the beginning they're doing this parallax scrolling thing where they've got those flat images in a 3d environment that are moving around and now i missed this button again how how could that be <laughs> um yeah, it's nice to look around the studio and and seeing the mixing desks. I, I although I'm I'm really happily I would say married with my computer when it comes to producing music. I always love seeing huge mixing desks and yeah. uh, being able to tweak all 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 the things with my fingers like directly. I, I know I'm never going to have any uh, any mixing desk, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's 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 I just love this technology and. Yeah, test your mixing skills. There we go. Please open now. There yeah. we go. I, now I'm in the mixing room. And oh, I see that. Continue. Okay, so you got a four track for the best experience use headphones. Okay, this is probably going to be really loud. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yep, it's just what I what I thought. So, I don't know, maybe that's a good topic for another day, but as far as like using hardware to mix songs, I've I've been in software for so long and I've never had any sort of actual physical faders um other than when I dabble with a mixer for some live scenario. 
that I wonder if I would even like a giant mixing board with this or if I would just be like, ugh, can I just like move my finger on a trackpad half an inch and get to the next fader instead of having to roll my chair over? Um, (laughs) And I'm I'm sure it it probably does come down a lot to what you're used to because I'm sure there's some people that have been running physical mixing boards for decades and they can't imagine not having their hands on the faders doing minute adjustments and I've always been happy to to just work with software to drag things up and down to type exact values to draw curves of all sorts and, and the idea of like flipping on an automation mode and physically dragging a bunch of faders um I don't I'm not against it like I could see how there could be it could be its own instrument if you have your own feel for how your your live mixing something like you you want a, a human touch on how something fades out but i don't know i don't think i would enjoy having a million knobs and faders i'd rather use software yeah um i, I just found another thing on their website it's not just uh this four track mixing thing but also some kind of reel-to-reel emulation thingy choose the instruments that are playing and fade them in and fade them out again and make something like your own tracks there it's just like a nice thing to play around with if if you've never done something like this before it's maybe if will if you have fun with this um your future's in recording and mixing um I know I would have loved to do that uh, back in the days when I didn't have any experience with that so so it's not just the uh, the Google Street View in Abbey Road there's actually something to do in there to play around with It's kind of amazing how granular this is too you can go to so many different spots on the floor and get a full 360. It's not like uh, the street view is kind of, you know, oh, any corner and then maybe one or two spots in the middle of a street. But this is like, you know, every few feet you can hop over to and then do a full 360 pan of the whole room. The question is, can I go to the piano and hit the G sharp? (laughs) If I can't hit hit the G sharp key, uh, I'm not happy. Uh. Oh, the piano's closed when you get to it. Oh, there's another one. There's just an upright over on the side, but it's not interactive. And just imagine you're walking around, suddenly this whole thing turns into one of those escape the room flash games <laughs> where you're locked inside every road and the only way to to, to get out is find the missing oh. notes and play them on a piano. Now that would be amazing if this it was a Google Doodle that just started like, oh, just go explore, have fun. Yeah. And then like you hear this click and this door's locked and the lights like turn red. And like this <laughs> ominous voice comes over the loudspeaker and is like, yeah, that should happen. <laughs> Google, make it happen, please. <laughs> let, let me just shoot them an email. You know what? All at google.com. All. I'm sure. Yeah, if, 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 if you send it to all, they're all going to receive they, it. They have this listserv <laughs> <laughs> that's open we, to the public. We got to set that up all at sunriserobot.net. <laughs> Oh man. So what else we got? So, oh, I guess we're, we're at pick of the week. Yeah. Well, let's do this. You want to start us off? Um, yeah, sure. I can do that. Okay. My pick of the week is from the band Alarmist, which I wanted to pick from like the third episode, but I was like, I can't decide. I can't decide between the songs and they haven't got many, but thankfully, finally I could settle for bath time for squid. Just to set the scene, so Alarmist are a math rock band from Glasgow, and um, I think it's Glasgow. If it's not, I'm going to edit that out. <laughs> and um, they're a four-piece band, and 
they've got two guitarists. Each of them also have a keyboard in front of them. They've got two drummers, one of which also has a keyboard next to him. And this makes for a very interesting soundscapes. Now, in this song, the, the second drummer doesn't utilize his drums, I think. Um, but you will, you will be hearing a lot of, a lot of melodies that are just chasing each other and just completely layered on top of each other. Like every melody in itself is really, really complex and they layer them in a way that it makes such a great piece that, uh, you just want to go, you just want to hit repeat every time you hit the song. And I, I, picked this one because it was very calm and soothing and i think it was it's one of the most accessible ones from the band and but if i can say if you dig this sound you should really listen to to the whole ep to the whole alarmist ep i think i'm just gonna play a sample right here Did you get a chance to listen to the song? I did, and it's it's everything you said. Um, they are very definitely math rock. This is very, um, very composed, very very uh, arpeggiated, and and them harmonics that they that they're <laughs> they're playing with. Um, uh, I, I do think the the guitars are kind of the star of at least this song. Though the drummer's no slouch, very precise, very technical, very much in sync with everything that's happening, and. You know, this is very instrumental. So if you're, you're kind of voice biased, you, you might you just know fully forewarned that this is an instrumental song. Um, as you heard from the sample, but, um, I could definitely find myself listening to this sometimes, even though I, I'm not generally an instrumental kind of guy. Um, just very pretty, very, very impressive. Just, uh, as it evolves throughout the song, you, you, there's just new and new ways that they're interacting with each other. And it's all very tight and precise. And I guess that's also, they, they mentioned jazz as one of their tags on Bandcamp. And I definitely hear that too. Even though, you know, it's not like right off the bat, you're like, Oh, this is a jazz band, but, um, there's kind of that attention to detail of, of how they strike every single note and kind of the precision there. So very, very good stuff. And then it also makes a fun song to analyze, especially because there's so much layering going on. And uh, it's one of those cases where the guitars sound so much alike that it's hard to to tell them apart sometimes. And I spend hours just listening to, to a few parts of this, trying to figure out which guitar is playing which melody so I can, uh, so I can play them as well and learn them. But the problem is that you can't, th- there are so many parts where you just can't really discern which one is playing which notes although you can hear the full melody you don't know who's playing what so this is one of the cases where i wished for a live version of that just to to look at the fretboard and have my eyes completely focused on that (laughs) how about yours so my pick of the week is a cover and uh this is by postmodern jukebox covering radiohead and it's their cover of radiohead before they went weird um when they were still kind of a 90s alternative rock band they had this song called creep that i uh was very famous very very popular in the 90s and i bet immediately radiohead was like yeah i don't want to play this song ever again um even though I, I still love that song. And so this is sort of a, a very retro, 
Um, it's been described as fifties and I guess cause the, the videos in black and white and there's like some, you know, very, very much, uh, not big band, but there's, you know, there's a piano player and there's a, you know, some brass on the side. Um, but I think the main star and love it or hate it is the vocal stylings, um, of, of the, the lady lead singer of postmodern jukebox, whose name is escaping me right now. Um, Haley Reinhardt. And so they, they take what's already a, a very poppy, very, very pretty pop song creep. And they, they kind of cast it in this retro light and, uh, it's very lush and, and full and, um, let's just hear a little bit. So I think um, I, I probably like this mainly just because I like Radiohead, and it's an, it's a very you know it's a good exercise in in covering something and casting it in another genre. I don't listen to this kind of music a lot, um, and you know even this rendition of it might be a little little over the top on like clicheing its way into that genre, but it's it's very 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 well done. Um, at the same time, what did you think of it? Um, yeah, just the same thing. I, I find it interesting when, when people cover songs and put them into a very, very different direction, very different genre. And yeah, but really this, this version isn't really my cup of tea, mainly because of this choice of genre and because of those cliches that you just talked about. I, I can see that she has a very strong voice and it works very well with the song. It's just not the, kind of things that I'm really into, but, um, the, the, the song is, they, they really did something great out of it. Say they transported it very well to, to, to their choice of instruments in this case. Um, although they had a chance and they missed it, they could have uh, brought in this guitar noise that, that one of the guitarists, this, this famous guitar noise before the chorus, like, tra- uh, um, like played it with some, I don't know how you could, possibly do that on some brass instrument but i was i, I thought that was that was missing that this this <laughs> ch-chung sound before the chorus i was really looking forward to how they yeah. would how they would do that one yeah it was a very iconic little bit of distorted palm muted ch-chink. yeah um and maybe that's that's the weird thing about this song is it's it's playing so against type because she's some gorgeous lady with an amazing voice singing about what is one of the biggest 90s anthems for people who are alienated and people who feel left out from the pretty people. And maybe that's, you know, partly why this works and also why it's very strange and kind of clashing because it's like, oh, you are one of those pretty people with an amazing voice and you do fit in. (laughs) You're appropriating us. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Maybe that's harsh, but it's it's... Upon further analysis, you can almost kind of lay that against this cover version. <laughs> Why would you set, you know, the, a modern '90s anthem of alienation in a very traditional light? Well, maybe that's why it's interesting. All right, and with that, we have episode twelve of Bits and Pieces. We've we've got our first dozen. So, 
you can check out some show notes with links to everything we talked about in, in the articles and the different uh, little services we talked about. Uh, if you head to sunriserobot.net slash bits and pieces slash 12, you'll get to this episode's show notes. And check that out. And as always, at the bottom of our list of show notes is a, a link to our Spotify playlist, which will house all of our picks of the week, assuming they're available on Spotify. Occasionally we, we pick some live thing or, or something that may not be there. Um, but definitely, um, you can actually follow that playlist and, and stay up to date on the songs we're picking every week and have some cool new music to check out. And while I'm on that, uh, you should subscribe to our show and that way you'll get new episodes automatically every single week straight to your phone. And so if you're on Android, you can use Pocket Cast or what was the one you use again? I'm going to ask you every week. Um, Podcast Addict. Yeah. And it also streams to Chromecast I rediscovered yesterday. Which is totally cool if you're doing the dishes or cleaning up your yeah. house and you want some podcasts playing. Um, if you're on an iPhone, you can use the built-in podcast app. Or if you want to download a really cool app, check out overcast.fm. It's, it's pretty great. And uh, then you just need to go to sunriserobot.net and click on the RSS button for bits and pieces. And that should take care of itself and uh, pop you over into your podcast app and, and help you subscribe. Um we also love feedback. So both me and Matt are on Twitter. You can find me. I'm Mike Edwards out of Denver, Colorado. And uh, on Twitter, I'm at Medwards Music. And Matt, what's your Twitter name? It's at Echolox, which is E-C-H-O-L-O-X. All right. And uh, with that, uh, if, if you actually subscribe through iTunes on your iPhone, you can leave us a rating or a review, and we would love you for that. Or if you're really a big fan of the show, um, you can head to patreon.com slash sunrise robot and actually pledge some money to help us build out this network and uh, support the show directly. And depending on the level you support us at, we'll actually say your name on every episode and uh, give you a little shout out. And with that, uh, thank you, Bruce Edwards, for being one of our, our rock star Patreon supporters. I think that's it. So we'll see you next week. 